Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest and Jesus. Oh my Jesus. God, have we got a show for you because we, we got a lot to talk about today. Of course, I'm your host, Sonic Speed, Alberto, whatever you want to call me. We're all friends here, I hope. Uh, with me is Aaron, co-host, basically back again. How you doing, buddy? Hello, beautiful people. I'm, I'm, I'm having a day. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday, right? Yeah, it's Wednesday. All right. It's and- Wednesday. Before we get started on our usual antics of, you know, talking about these hor- horrendous Sonic the Hedgehog comics, we've got some things to cover first. Number one on the list, uh, it's my birthday! Huh? Wait! It's- Wait, really? Well, it's not my birthday, it's tomorrow, oh. but it's we're celebrating it, we're gonna celebrate Woo! my birthday today on this podcast because we've got a lot to talk about. Speed, wait, I, I don't... I think there's also something... something else, right? I... I- I'm pretty sure this we're covering issues 151 to 159, which means which means Ken Penders is gone after this episode. Get that, get that, uh, dancing club, club thing. <laughs> someone say alcohol. Did someone hey. say alcohol? I hey. want some alcohol. We gotta celebrate. We gotta celebrate. I, w- I want some fucking alcohol. All right. So, what are you drinking, buddy? Uh, I am drinking the only beer I actually like, which is Yangling. Oh. Yeah, oh. I like I like I like dark brews for some reason. I'm, I'm that kind of guy. All right. Well, uh, that that's hysterical because I'm drinking the only alcohol I like, uh, White Claws. <laughs> How dare you disgrace this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> If you were at CEO in Orlando, Alexander Jabaley would slap that shit out of your hand. Yeah, they probably would. But you know what? This is delicious. I have no... I'm not going to say nothing about it. I, I'm i I'm disgusted, but... <laughs> but, cheers. hold on. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. There we go. Cheers, brother. To, cheers. Uh, to no more no more Ken Penders. Ken Penders is over. It's over. Oh my god. Refreshing. Holy shit. Yeah, this is a pretty crazy milestone. <laughs> Speaking of milestones, uh, this is episode 25. And as I mentioned previously in the last episode, for some reason we celebrate 25 uh, issues for every comic book. So let this is a, co- a podcast about comic books. Let's add that to the celebration too, why don't we? You know, we got three for one. Ooh. Nice. Jesus. And on that note, guys, with uh, <laughs> with our, our drinks and our system, let's start with Sonic the Hedgehog number 151. So before we get into it, Ken Penders, uh, in his infinite beauty, has decided to leave us with some real shitters this time. Uh, <laughs> some of these comics are pretty, pretty bad. They kind of encapsulate everything wrong with penders if i'm really honest and Mm. well we'll get into so we'll we'll get into it so 
Ken Penders wrote, obviously, Art Mawinney did the art. Sonic, dressed up as anti-Sonic, wakes up in anti-Mobius, surrounded by their freedom fighters, including Antoine dressed as Patch, so he doesn't know that yet. As they all beat the shit out of Sonic for abandoning them, Antoine's not doing anything, obviously, just enjoying the spectacle, Anti-Rotor shocks Sonic with a taser, Anti-Bunny goes in for a hit, specifically for being a two-timer, quote, I can understand seeing Sally behind my back, but Penelope with that beak? That's a racism right there, but this is yeah, you know, Yeah, yeah I just, just one off the list, you know, one <laughs> off the list. <laughs> Cheers, bro, drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> racism. Meanwhile, on Mobius Prime, Antisonic chats up with Rouge when she brings up that she was on the floating island, or... Angel Island. Anti-Sonic says, he, oh, you know, I know the deal about the island. Yeah, yeah, I can show you around. Hey. Including the Master Emerald. Rouge then sweeps him up and flies to the island with him. Now back on Anti-Mobius, Sonic got hogtied by the Freedom Fighters suspended over the ocean. And they, including Antoine, fry the rope with like little like wrist lasers. You know, you've seen James Bond. I know you, I know you can visualize that. And drops Sonic into the ocean. Now, on Angel Island, Anti-Sonic leads Rouge to the chamber where the Master Emerald is stored. And out from the cave comes Locke, leaving Rouge to go in, you know, work her little magic. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a fucking Sonic comic with Ken Penders without this fuck just lurking around, you know? Like, uh, yeah. like the fact, like, I guess it's the fact that it's the last, excuse me, <laughs> that's the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that he's just, you know, a part of this is just, it's cherry on top. Of course. <laughs> also, um, talking about, uh, Art Mawinney for a second. Does Art Mawinney do stuff after, uh, after Pender's leaves? Do you know? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, so this is also, um, some of the last times we get to see Art Mawinney's art. And I, I think I want to say this. I have a really big appreciation for his art now. I think that it's not... God's gift to Earth or the most incredibly detailed art ever. But it's simplistic in a nice way. And I actually think Rouge, who had never really... I never had seen her in the Art Mawinney design. Like, she looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. These, we already know his deal. He used to be a storyboarder for the, the cartoon, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, But of all of these, like, character designs are, like you said, simplistic. But it's like, when you think of Sonic the Hedgehog and you look at his art, you go like, Yeah. 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 It's nice. I, I enjoy it too. Very much. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's good. So continue, my friend. Rouge is working her magic with Locke. Anti-Sonic stays behind behind the bush. And now on Anti-Mobius, Sonic is dropped, but comes back out, faces the anti-freedom fighters, and Antoine looks at him saying, Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Something's something's up with him. Like the sound of his voice. But I, I can't take any chances, so he draws his sword, slangs, switch slash, slings at him, and, uh, which, look, let's be honest here, if Antoine was right, this would be a really based moment for him. <laughs> <laughs> Antoine, Antoine kills a motherfucker in cold blood. I just, I also want to point out the fact that, like, we brought this up, we were talking about that one Antoine comic, and, like, why did Antoine become an incel? Yeah. The, the, the solution is that it wasn't Antoine who became the incel. It was anti-Antoine who became the incel. 
Uh, he definitely posts on r slash uh, uh, brain cell. That's the one. Yes. Yes, he does. He definitely posts on r slash brain cell. Uh, Sonic, though, dodges, charges right for him, and ducks anti-Sally and Bunny into the sea. Anti-Tail swipes at him, but does a little spin dash around him, makes him dizzy, and spin dashes into Rotor, breaking his wrist laser, saying, Dude, listen, I just want to go home here. Leaving him to go like, Oh, wait a minute, so you're not our Sonic? Yeah, now you get it, so how do I get home? So, on Prime Zone... Anti-Sonic sees Rouge putting the moves as he responds. Anti-Sonic sneaks down into the chamber. There's also a very great panel here of just, like, <laughs> Anti-Sonic draw... Have you ever, like, seen, like, any anime or cartoons where their draw distance is so large, the characters that you're seeing are just, like, kind of, like, moving scribbles? It's kind of like that. Not super detailed. Far back on the draw distance. And also he's saying, Oh, yeah, time to grab the booty. <laughs> I also also would like to point out the fact that Rouge is seducing Locke, who is literally in his 50s or 60s at this point. Hey, Rouge is a Dilf hunter. I respect that. She Listen, she got to do whatever she can to make that bag. Mm-hmm. And in this in this house, we respect women. Of course. We respect women. Of course. There is no no women disrespecting. Not on not on our watch. Uh-uh. Nah. <laughs> can, we, can we get can we get a drink? To respecting women. <laughs> respecting women, boys. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm. So, but there. That moment is when Sonic Prime returns, being brought right to Anti-Sonic thanks to Rotor's spare zone link generator. And Anti-Sonic says like, ah, well, yeah, go fucking figure, huh? Hurl insults at each other and they fight around the Master Emerald Chamber. And also there's Rouge, like, making out with Locke. <laughs> yeah they're just they're just the, hooking up uh, and then then Locke's like wait the chamber wait the, my responsibilities and then like <laughs> and then there's like a trap door under his feet and like what, what what's like the equivalent of like following to yeet I don't know I don't know like, man fwish, he hit he, he hit her he hit her with the begone thought and dropped <laughs> into the trap hole to get back to the gamer chamber <laughs> <laughs> as any respectable a gamer would <laughs> yeah exactly uh but yeah Locke comes down finds uh the two Sonics duking it out uh basically says damn there's two of them but Sonic would never resort to a weapon so he immediately knows which one to fight but the best part of this panel, and this entire page, <laughs> and this arguably this comic, <clears throat> quote, This is way too good a gig to give back to a dope who hasn't a clue. Sayonara, simp! Simp! Oh, <laughs> uh, Ken. When, when did this comic come out? 2005? Yeah. So it was like 13... 14 fucking years before Simp became a widely used term. I'm telling you, man. Like, Ken Penders has omniscience. It's true, he does. He does have omniscience. <laughs> so, Locke calls out to Antisonic to stop and throws out Antisonic via what I can only describe as Chaos Force ESP. He hit him with the PK Flash. <laughs> <laughs> and outside, he gets chastised by Rouge for just being an idiot as Locke helps Sonic recover. And as Rouge is about to leave Anti-Sonic behind, he was like, well, hold, hold, hold it, hold it, wait, hold on. And pulls out some, like, tiny little emeralds, just like, hey, uh, I got these, though. Is this a good enough consolation prize? He goes like, eh, yeah, yeah I'll take that. Yeah, and I'll take it. Takes him with her to the next destination. 
And Locke brings Sonic back to Knothole. He runs into Amy, who kisses him after seeing him. Bunny flirts with them a little bit. Sonic is like, ah, well, I may never know exactly what my counterpart did. But uh, this ain't that bad. By the <laughs> way, this dynamic is going to continue. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's going to get a little fucking awkward, boys. <laughs> yeah. But what's not awkward is the secondary story. We have a new writer here with us, can you believe that? Tana Del Rio, who is, I think, legit the only woman, or at least the first woman, to write for these comics thus far. And you can fucking tell. How much, uh, how long do you, does does uh, Tana spend on the comic? Because I am not familiar with her. Uh, I'm not familiar with her either. If This may be her only story. If not that, there are, you could count them on her hand. Okay. Just an interesting thought. But yeah. Um... At night, Sally is asleep, and in the corner of her eyes, she sees light coming from Nicole. And she's like, oh, what's going on here? But Nicole's unresponsive, so Sally's just like, eh, whatever. And turns around and sees the door open. So she goes through, and outside, she sees someone she's never seen before. And she's like, oh, Princess Sally, you startled me. Hello. And Sally's taken aback because it's just like, oh, wait, how do you know my name? I've never met you before. She's the princess. Everyone would know who she is. But nevertheless, and also, like, hey, you kind of sound like Nicole does. And she's like, yeah, that's because I, I am Nicole. And Sally thinks, like, oh, you have, like, a hologram or something? But no, she touches her, and it's a real physical body. Nicole says this is a complex simulation she's been working on. Ever since I got to experience life in your body a while ago, I just wanted to have you know, these sensations again. So this is what I've been doing. Sally's happy for her. Nicole is just as capable regardless. And, you know, why don't you stay like this, Nicole? Like, you've done something good here. We need an- We could use another freedom fighter in your caliber. Nicole's like, yeah, but this form drains energy, and it takes a lot to, to run this. And look, honestly, I'm just happy to be out here and really see the stars and the moon for the first time you know i've charted them countless times but i've never saw them and then nicole falls asleep and her body fades away but sally still lies there for a long long time and she tears up too because this is when she also sees the stars and the moon for the first time that's the end of that story. This story passes. This story passes the Bechdel test, so it's an A OK one in my book. Number yeah, one. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, listen. I don't know how I feel about the whole like. Okay, so I don't mind Nicole having a physical body, but I don't know how I feel about the explanation of it being complex situ- simulation, whatever. But I do like the implication that you know Nicole treasures life so much because she has never truly been able to have it. And now Sally realizing in that moment, like, holy shit, life is so valuable. Like, that's cool. That's a good, like, mini story with a good moral and a good message. Yeah, like, nothing, nothing bad. And also, forgot to mention, but Jim and Mosh did the art. And, you know, his art was a little, like, anime-esque, more leaning on the cartoon side, early 2000s kind of style. But it was very nice. It, it did yeah. add to the uh, to the story, I think. And it was very good. Enjoyed it a lot. So that's 151 done. Let's move on to, to 152. Ken Penders wrote, Fry did the art. So, so Eggman, right? He's complaining that Sonic's always getting the better of him. I know, I have these plans of world domination. You know, why does Sonic keep getting in the way? And Adam just says, hey, look, like, 
You know, according to my calculations, uh, Father, uh, it'll be over a century before you can have true, total world domination. And at this current pace, so hey, why just, just not focus on your objective at hand? You know, Sonic? And Eggman is just kind of pissed at that, saying, like, look, listen, Sonic? Sonic sucks for me. That's my fucking business. That's my problem. And leaves to eat, complaining about the need to do so ever since, you know, he was returned to organic form a little bit ago. And then Adam plays back a moment of Eggman, saying, if you can find means of improving pace, then do so. He takes that as authorization to see what he can do to be made more efficient. The first option, the SWAT bots. But there's not enough of them to do anything sufficient. Second option, the prisoners in the pods, the ones from uh, the echidnas, I should say. Yeah, the egg grapes. Uh, Adams is like, oh, this is too early along in the process to, for anything really to be done. So let's just keep that on the side. However, option three, nanotechnology, which he uses to cull a forest in the path of Lupe and her wolf pack. They run from this out of nowhere threat. Adams saying that in under 10 minutes, the objective will be achieved. And that's the end of that story for now. Uh, that, that one's definitely just a setup story, nothing big to say about that. So let's just move on to the secondary story. Penders wrote, John Gray and Al Bigley did the art. So I think uh, Gray did the pencils, obviously. Bigley did the coloring. So uh, I have it here. It says this story, this, call, this story is called Sonic's Angels. Ken Penders, I beg of you, no more women-centered stories. You can't fucking do it. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, Stop uh, doing dude, it. It's, it's so painful. It's so fucking painful, man. Oh my god. Listen, the art is great. John Gray, we love you. We love you, John Gray. But goddamn, the shit that you had to work with at the time. You deserve better. Yeah, you deserve so you much better. You do. Sonic is late for a meeting. He's giving shit for it. And as he takes a seat, Rotor explains, Hey, look, listen, guys. We've, decide we've detected some new Eggman tech that sprawls out from every direction, seemingly roboticizing everything in its path. And from Megapolis, in 24 hours, we'll reach Nothill. And in a reek, cover the whole planet. Sonic asks, well, okay, how do we stop it? And the next page, we see some action. Sets of two teams. Chuck, Tails, Rotor, and Tommy. The second being Sonic, Fiona, Bunny, Mina, and Amy. I mean, it writes itself. It's just, how do we cause conflict? Give Sonic all the women that he has been uh, pining over over the entire series. Except... Sally. Hmm. Really activates your almonds, doesn't it, boys? Really activates those almonds, man. So, overhead, they see the metal and the forms. There, It's coming into reality, just seeming out of thin air. And as Sonic's team lands inside, they're communicating to Chuck's team on their point. So Sonic's team goes in through a sewer. Sonic's not seeing anything out of the ordinary, so the team splits up to cover more ground. But Bunny was attacked and impersonated by a form of ectoplasm via their communication, and communicates to Rotor like that, but blips from the radar. So Rotor and Sonic panic. They can't hear her now. Chuck tries to calm them down, saying, listen, there's not much we can do right now. Just keep it going. Just keep add to the plan. But Sonic runs to find Bunny, doesn't find her, but does come across a lab, seeing the only sign of life thus far. Snively, see him again. It's been a little bit, weirdo. Yeah, where where the fuck is Snively been? Yes, I don't it's know. Just, just kind of like living life? Question mark. Finding him, Sonic demands answers. Snively saying, "Look, listen, listen. I can't do anything about this. These things have minds of their own, 
Eggman found them while he was making a new Metal Sonic, and they just reproduce, consume, and just expand. However, I can tell you, Adam's the one in control of this. So, this is really, he's just a virus in every sense of the word here. Uh, Then Fiona, Amy, and Mina come in. Fiona saying that she, on the path, found EMP detonators that would stop the nanites if they could go off. And Snively says that's what he was doing before he ran into Sonic. So, and and there's like a little quote of like Sonic kind of quote-unquote blaming himself. But like, nah, forget about it. Should the blast go off simultaneously, we can stop these uh, nanites from going. So Sonic volunteers to do it himself. But Amy and Mina go with Snively. Sonic should go after Bunny. Then Sonic finds Bunny in the middle of being absorbed. Sonic gives it lip saying, hey, listen, idiot. Uh, she's bionic. Same with the forest. You're not robotic. You can't, like, consume her. And we see, like, Bunny, like, strapped to the chair, foaming at the mouth. Like, she's having, like... Missing a... Dude, she's missing an eye, bro. Yeah, it's kind of gnarly. Yeah. I like that, um... John, John Gray's art adds to it as well. Makes it look, uh... Especially pretty... Pretty, Pretty gruesome. Up. Yeah. yeah. Mission accomplished, guys. Good job. So Chuck chimes in saying, hey, these nanites were programmed with binary code, so it can only think logically and can't handle complex issues. So Sonic tries to engage it basically with a thought experiment with saying, look, you can't absorb Bunny's flesh. Only You, you can only really absorb the robotic parts and control that, but she's not, hum- or she's not a, a robot. She's has robotic parts, but that's as far as you can go. And so the after the back and forth, it can't really like comprehend that it can't control Bunny, despite that's what it's trying to do. So it shuts itself down and frees Bunny, and also kisses him in joy. Uh, Ken, I didn't need to see that. Yeah, Mm-mm. that was uh, definitely in the yeah. Script. I mean, okay, like I would argue this is probably one of one of, one of those. Uh, one of those very, very, very special panels because Jesus Christ, Sonic's it's, mouth is like straight consuming. It's so bad, man. Not even a kiss, bro. It's like a suck. It's gross. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's like he's like. It's like. It's like. It's like he's like inhale. <laughs> he's inhaling it. Okay. All right. Let, let's just move on before I vomit. Yeah. So yeah, same, dude. The the nanites stop in their traps, but they can't really be cleaned up. So. The best that they can do is just leave it there. And Sonic acts, well, all right, so we stopped that, but, like, what about Snively? Like, what do we do with this guy? Only for him, later, to be seen as part of the not-whole-brain trust, showing the Freedom Fighters that nanites, while still dormant, there's some activity going on, and this might be the key to take down Eggman. As Chuck looks at him and says, kid, there might be hope for you yet. This is an interesting turning point. Um, this is one of the few plot points I actually do like. I think that the prospect of Snively kind of saying, fuck it, I'm going to go fight for them now, is interesting. Because it's a different sort of shift. Right. And it's something that, like, it doesn't come out of nowhere either. That's the good part, is that there have been, you know, issues in the past where Snively, he doesn't have issues with Eggman because... Uh, again, let, let's roll back a bit. Let's roll back a bit. Eggman now is like an alternate universe version of Robotnik who's like dead, dead. He's gone. We can't do anything about that. Yada, yada. So you have this alternate version of Robotnik who is like infinitely more brutal. And that's something that Snively comments on. He looks at him and says, this is not my uncle. 
I, I don't feel comfortable working with this guy, but just because of the complex situation I'm in, I don't really have a choice. I can't hedge my bets and like turn tail and, you know, go back to the overlanders. I've been, you know, I basically shunned myself from them. I can't work with these Mobians. I don't really like them and I don't think they'll even accept me if I were to do that. But now time has passed and time has gone off. So whatever Snively was doing in that time, he must have really just like looked inside himself and said, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't work with Eggman anymore because this is just going too far even for me. World domination? Yeah. Being an un, uh, number two to like the world dictator? Yeah, I'll hedge my bets like that. That's a fun life for me. But now a lot of, for him personally, lots of lines have been crossed. Not fun. I don't want to do this anymore. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm hedging my bets with the with the enemy. Fuck it. Yep, it's uh, a lot like Starscream uh, in uh, Transformers Armada. If you mm. ever watched that speed, uh, I haven't. But tell me. So Star uh, Starscream has a arc in Transformers Armada where he essentially feels that Megatron has taken advantage of him too much. And that he starts to feel a sort of moral compass, ironically enough. Mm. And he actually tries being an Autobot. And it ultimately results in Starscream having one of the most interesting and probably deepest developments of his character ever. It's a whole process as he tries to understand what being good is and working alongside the Autobots. There's a whole lot of, of implications that come of it. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. That's one of the reasons I like Armada. And Energon so much is because they give Starscream such a unique depiction that no other series has ever done for him. This is probably very much in the same vein. I like what they're doing with Snively. They try and take a new angle with him. And I think it's cool because it's a different take. And right. I think that you can be different but not necessarily be bad. Which is the problem with all of the... So much of the writing in this comic. Where it tries to be different but it's not good. Right. So, you know, a little shake-up. Never hurts, and, you know, maybe I'll check out Armada sometime, because that does sound very interesting. There's there's some interesting stuff in there, yeah. Alright, so, that was the end of 152, so now we move on to 153, and thank God Carl Bowlers is back! Holy <laughs> shit! I can't believe we're saying this. Thank fucking God. Jesus Christ, I'll drink to that. So, yeah, Carl Bowlers writing, Ron Lim does the art. So Eggman hires Knack the Weasel, paying him 50 gemstones to assassinate, quote, a very high-profile public figure in the kingdom of Acorn, where he says, oh, so you want me to do that, where I'm wanted for over 10 counts of kidnapping, assault, and grand larceny, huh? Yeah, so it's a fair pay. <laughs> Full-page spread of uh, Eggman, you know, big toothy green, bingo. <laughs> very nice, I like it. So, uh, the Freedom Fighters and the Chaotix are sparring in the barracks, an idea given by General de Colet to help hone their skills, and perhaps to get out the pent-up aggression done by the uh, previous events of inappropriateness. They're talking about anti-Sonic, obviously. Yes. So, de Colet notes that his son Antoine, like he kind of feels like he grew up too fast. That's the problem here. The effects of war on the kid have been too great, as he coughs a bit. Sally noticing, hey, General, have you figured out your health issue? Saying that, like, no, I haven't. But it's been in decline for a, as for a good while now. And that's where the king and queen call to check up on him. Max saying, oh, you know, General, if, you, if you're, like, that sick, I might have to cut off my world tour early, you know. 
Dr. Quack hasn't made progress with your issue. Nikolai says, no, 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 you're fine. It might have been slight poisoning during the war. Only now it's starting to affect him. And, you know, if you're having health issues too, your majesty, you should come home too. And Alicia says, well, Max has been complaining about feeling a little weak in the legs as of late. You know, like when you were wheelchair bound, but we don't think it's anything major. It's very important. To very know. important. Very important. So they ping off. And right as they do, the general collapses. And later, walking with the other freedom fighters, Sonic says when Antoine heard the news, he didn't even flinch, only asking how the battle with the Chaotix went. Hmm. hmm. So I'd like to remind everyone that we now know it's 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 anti-Antoine. Mm-hmm. So, so not, yeah. su- not surprising for us. But later, tonight, Mina is going to put on a concert for Knothole, so that should calm everyone's nerves. And Tails, nervously is about to ask Fiona to go with him to the concert. Sonic's noticing and is like, oh man, um, my poor buddy, he's going to try to ask out an older woman and get rejected. I can't, I can't do that. Not, can't, that's not going to fly with me. No, wait, I just, I just want to point this out. Sonic is like, you know what? There's a large difference in their age. I'm going to interrupt him because <laughs> fuck you, Tails. Instead of just saying, let it be, he'll get rejected. But it won't be harsh. Mm. This is important for later. You have no fucking idea how important this oh! is. Oh, <laughs> it's so important. So he cuts in. Sonic cuts in and says, hey, why don't we all go together to the concert? You know, as a group. And Tails just kind of is like, oh, man, you fucking cut me off. You bitch-ass motherfucking <laughs> cuck, you bitch-ass bitch. So separately... Sonic talks to Fiona, saying, you know, like, Tails seems to have a lot of respect for you, and cuts him off, saying, like, well, I don't really respond to respect that much, Uh, you know, you left me behind when, you know, you rescued Mighty and Ray way back when, but, you know, after the whole deal with the Zorda and your sacrifice, I'm, I'm willing to come around to you. Yo, fuck Fiona. If you guys think her character is, like, starting to have a turn, you are correct. You're paying attention, that's what you should be doing. Keep note of that. Mm-hmm. On stage, Mina's giving a performance. The crowd's loving it. The Freedom Fighters especially. But amongst the crowd, Knack, in a trench coat and shades, points a gun towards her vicinity, saying, Eh, this scene feels familiar. And fires, hitting a tree, leaving Sonic to rush in and pull her away. He IDs Knack. And as he runs, Bunny teals with the burning tree. She kicks it into the water. Sonic rushes to Knack, knocks him out, and arrests him. And Knack is in jail. Sally tries to question him. But he refuses, saying, well, hey, listen, I'm not going to narc. I ain't no bitch. (laughs) And besides, you know, in jail, I get three square meals a day anyway. So, eh, no problem. And so he's like, yeah, you're probably right. So, you know, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, you're going to be moved in with your new cellmates. Seeing the, uh, his old gang that was left in to rot while he, you know, ran away scot-free. And he's like... Okay, listen. Okay, I'll talk. Listen. Okay, I'll talk. <laughs> he bitches out because he's a bitch. Bruh. All right, listen. Uh, Eggman hired me. Okay? Eggman hired me. He wanted to assassinate Mina. Get this. All right? <laughs> he wanted to assassinate Mina because he heard a song of hers on the radio and described it as, quote, the worst thing he's ever heard. Banned her music, jammed the airwaves, burned all of the memorabilia in his territories, but it wasn't enough to get the song out of his head and hired Knack to assassinate her. Now, yo, <laughs> now, does this sound like a rational thing that would happen? 
in the age of K-pop stands? Yes? You know, I didn't even think of that. You know, my opinion has changed 100%. <laughs> maybe. Just maybe. Eggman prefers the Korean pop of another artist in this world. He stands BTS. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. What a twist, boys. I, I, all honesty, this is an incredibly stupid fucking, like, like, okay. If you wanted to find a way to fuck with Sonic, killing Mina would be a good one. But. <laughs> what, what? That's interesting. Like, but, what? That's a really interesting twist here. Like, out of all the things. Like you said, yeah, assassinating Mina to fuck with Sonic, that would do the job. But really, dude? Really? Oh, like, this he, is he, kind he, of he, like... Eggman, Eggman is having a major boomer moment. He's he's like he's like a corporate executive with billions and billions of dollars, and he hears some pop star he hates. He's like, ah, killer. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little too on the nose. It's real, by the way. That thing, that, that can happen. It sure fucking can, can't it? So... Uh, in the throne room, Ash demands the Freedom Fighters keep Mina secure, but they insist we only really need Sonic to do that job. Like, he can handle the, any situation pretty well, and he doesn't like the decision and can't talk him out of that. And Sonic says, huh, man, I, I think this guy doesn't seem to like me very much, Mina. As Eggman moves on to plan B, and we see Heavy and Bomb. Do we have much to say, Speed? I don't really have much to say. I mean, besides, like, Eggman assassinating someone for the pettiest reason imaginable? Eh, I think it speaks for itself. Yeah. Okay, story B is pretty... It's a... It's nothing. It's nothing. They... they, they it's a fairy tale. Uh, they... I think they're, like, retelling, like, some sort of, like, Arthurian fairy tale. Eh. I don't know. It's more just, like, Rosie's telling the orphans a bedtime story. Something along the lines of, like, uh... One of Tails' tails gets stolen by Rouge. Sally goes to get it back. He Sonic is a knight there. They get the tail back from Eggman, and he's dressed like a fucking Dragon Quest villain. I don't know, man. Read it for yourself if you care so fucking much. I don't. Does it? Does it conclude? Giga racist and big cringe lord uh, Koichi Sugiyama. Does it? Yes or no? I wish. Fuck Koichi Sugiyama. Fuck that man. Uh, anything I want to say would get me uh, uh, demonetized. So let's move on to 134. Yes! Alright, Bowler's continuing to write Lim doing the art. So, uh, Ash is still not okay with Sonic being her bodyguard. Insists to talk with her alone. And she's just like, dude, why do you have such a problem with Sonic? Like, he's the hero here. Like, you don't, you don't need to act like this. And Ash, Ash just says, listen, Mina, Sonic broke your fucking heart. All right, I'm not okay with that, and I don't know why you're not. And Ash tries to confront her, saying, like, listen, do you still have feelings for Sonic? Because I'm seeing a lot of your lyrics, and they're basically about Sonic. Damn, he really hit her with that. Yeah, bitch, I know your lyrics are about your fucking ex and not me, motherfucker. <laughs> and Ash, point blank, do you still love him? And she does not give an answer. To which Ash just says, all right, fine, message received. I'll just stick to being your manager. Ash is an asshole most of the time, but in this one instance, he's a little right. It's like, all right, yeah. He's kind of a dick, but like, this is the, this time, like, he's justified, I think. Minutes before the concert, Sonic has the Freedom Fighters in position. Tails is at air support. Bunny and Fiona are ground support. Amy's off in the center. Sonic's backstage. Sonic goes in to check on Mina. She basically just got dumped, but... Uh, the show must go on. She goes on stage and sings her heart out as Eggman and M are tracking the GPS signals. 
and an army of bombs are walking into Knothole. Tails sees them overhead, and a figure in the crowd calls it out too. BOMB! <laughs> Sonic gets Mina, takes her to safety, again bickering with Ash about it, but like the Freedom Fighters can take care of it, so don't worry. Heavy it gets thrown in the mix. Ash takes Mina to safety. Sonic fights as do the rest of the Freedom Fighters. Sonic then baits Heavy, following him to burrow down, and inside the burrow, Sonic burrows back up, flooding the cavern, and Sonic and Heavy are both submerged. And then passes out, too. Sonic comes to Freedom Fighters surrounding him. Report to Sally just like, hey, mission complete. And Mina hugs Sonic for his effort and asks, oh, Sonic, oh, what can I do for you? Oh, thank you so much. And Sonic says, hey, eh, save a day. Have some chili dogs with me. Mina says, yeah, it's a date. As Ash just looks on in melancholy. He's, 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 so, he's so cocked. He's so cocked. He's so cocked. One one more day, and then he's going to be making an account for uh, uh for our brain cells. <laughs> <sighs> the joke never ends, huh? No, it won't. Mina goes back to her dressing room. Ash follows, trying to talk to her, saying, "Look, Mina, listen. I still love you. I'm, I can't. This is too much for me." As they find a leftover bomb in the room, about to go off leading Ash to take it and, like, body shields it as he runs away. And it explodes. A pretty big explosion, too. I gotta say, this is actually kind of a Giga Chad move. The first thought is, fuck it, I'm out! And he takes that shit and runs, and he fucking sacks himself. Like, respect. 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 Based. Based. The Freedom Fighters see that, and in his battered condition, they take him to Quack, who's saying, look, listen... He's really battered. He he's he kind of got fucked up, dude. But he'll be fine. He'll live. He's resting. So Sonic and Mina go to save him. Or, they go to see him. And Mina reconciles with him. And the flame between them is rekindled. And a seemingly disappointed Sonic walks away. Which is kind of strange. I don't think it's disappointment. I just think it's like the... Like, I cared about her. But like, she's with somebody else that like... I know I can't intrude upon. And, like, I wish I could be that right now in some form. And that hurts. It's still weird. And it's still a little off-putting. But I think it's it's teenage mentality. So I can give it somewhat of a pass because Sonic is not thinking rationally. Right? Right. It's more of just, like, a... It's, it's, like, it's like mental disappointment. Right. It's more complicated than just disappointed. All right. Let's agree to that. Meanwhile, Eggman is pissed this plan didn't work and just gives up on targeting her. Lamenting on how weak and fragile his flesh and blood body is. But it does give him a little bit of an idea. So that's where this story ends. The second dairy story. Ken Penders did both the art and the writing. Okay, alright. So you know what? Hold on. I got a second White Claw for this. Okay, I'm gonna say it right now. We've talked about the bad art. We have talked about it nonstop. This is it. The peak... <sighs> Of the bad art. Mm -hmm. That we are... We have reached the mountaintop. Oh my god, this story B is horrendous in terms of art quality. <laughs> so, without further ado, Snively and the rest of the Brain Trust are working on the nanites. They're charging them with 50,000 volts of electricity. And Tommy thinks, oh, I think we killed them. But Chuck says, they weren't alive to begin with. Eggman doesn't create life, only machines. Ugh. And they all walk away to take a break. Except for Tommy. He tinkers around with it a little bit. And manages them to, like, repair them a little bit. And they react. 
The art's up here. The art's yeah. right up here. So, so <laughs> Tommy is like, yeah, baby. And it's just the worst panel I have ever seen. <laughs> he looks, he looks like a fish. <laughs> Why is he a fish? He's pogging, dude. <laughs> just, it's the wrong expression. It's so off. He doesn't have eyebrows. He just deformed. Oh, my God. It's so good. Ken, you did it again. And he tries to call out to the rest of the guys to come see the work. But the nanites reach for him. And Tommy retreats into his cell. And the nanites surround it. And kind of bond to his shell. And Chuck comes back to see this. Seeing Tommy sprouting wings from it. The rest of the Freedom Fighters come in and see all this. All Tommy has to do is just think of something. And the nanites compose something on his shell. He wants to go somewhere, the nanites make a jetpack. It's a symbiotic relationship. To which I have to say, Venom 2 looks like shit, man. <laughs> Why would you say that? Fuck, I mean, I didn't like the first Venom. I thought it was really bad, but, like, why? Just makes it worse. That's true. Anyways, the art in that was fucking atrocious. Uh, oh, boy! <laughs> he flies with it. The Freedom Fighters are impressed. For it. They're like, eh, whatever. I call it a day. Whatever. So, <laughs> All 155, right. 155, 55, what the fuck a, is this cover? A infamous, infamous Sonic the Hedgehog cover. You wanna, do you guys want to know how infamous this cover is? Ken Penders on his forum claimed that a Sega executive was walking by a newsstand, saw this cover on it, and was, and I quote, furious. <laughs> Oh, God. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, um... That's really fucking funny. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, you've seen this cover. Uh, it's a perfect encapsulation of everything wrong with this fucking comic. So let's just describe it first. This cover, we see Sonic, like, balled up. Not the usual, like, curled up in a fetal position. A tear coming down his, his uh, face. And in his hand, we see a letter saying... Marriage of Princess Sally. I just... Can, can we die? Uh... This drink's for you, Ken. Disgusting. <sighs> so... Oh my god. Uh, we see King Max with, uh... Antoine, Patch, giving him a little drink, saying, uh, listen, man, the talks with the local ruler didn't go that well. They don't want to join the coalition against Eggman... You know, they they don't think it's their problem, yada, yada, yada. But he feels a little lightheaded after taking the drink and falls asleep. And Patch just looks at him and thinks, yes, soon I will be the one ruling the kingdom of Acorn. You can feel you, you can feel the mustache twirl. Meanwhile, Tails finds Sonic. He's making out with Fiona. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> okay, just that. Okay, 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 So So, listen, uh, the, the panel where Tails shows up is great. His, his mouth is, like, hanging off the left side of his face. It's, it's... It, it, you know what it is? Like, I feel like uh, James Fry took some notes from, uh, from John Gray for the expressions because he is very expressive here. And it does kind of work. But then, like, the last panel of Tails, like, running away crying is just really silly. Yes. It's ugly crying. That's what it's supposed to be. Like, the emotion is conveyed, and that's good enough for me. 
But it does look funny. <laughs> anyway, what happened here was that, like, Sonic's reserved about it, but Fiona's the one that snaps at Tails and saying, look, listen, like, you fell in love with an automation of me that Eggman made of me when I was, like, your age. Like, I was fucking 10 years old when I was like that. But look, I'm 16 now. I'd rather be with someone closer to my own age, i.e. Sonic. And Tails tears up and screams at Sonic saying, I hate you, and runs off. Please display the panel. It's Steve. there. It's right it's up there. there. It's right up there. I'd like you to take a look at yet another incredibly infamous panel from this comic. This is what I was describing previously. Tails running away in tears and in hysterics and ugly crying. It's it's It works. Like, I understand the emotions that are supposed to be conveyed. It's just really silly. It's it's too funny to be taken seriously. Yeah, there's that's no, it. There's no real emotional buildup. Meanwhile, the king has flown back into Knothole with Dr. Quack taking a look at him. All right, king, get plenty of, of rest and gives Antoine the king's meds to be taken one with each meal. Then Sally meets with her parents and where her dad says that because of this health issue, I think I'm going to have to step down as king. So Sally, you're going to be the new queen. But before that happens, you need to get married and have a king. Because I guess no fucking women are allowed to be regents, I guess. <laughs> well, well, listen, King Acorn is a misogynistic piece of shit. I, do you remember? Right, right. Talk, uh, yeah, do you remember when we talked about his like shitpost face and how happy he was? He fucked Sally up. Speaking of, remember when Jeffrey St. John was supposed to be the person Sally was going to marry? Hilarious. And also the fact that like he was like 19 and Sally is like, what's... 16, 15? I don't know, man. We've, we've burned that bridge. We can forget about it. Basically, what King Max says, Sally, listen, you've been arranged to be married to Antoine. All right? And she's like, no, wait. I don't want to go through with this arranged marriage. No, bad. But, Ma but King Max says, look, listen, you, me and, my, and your mother, like, we were arranged to be married by the source of all. And, like, it may have not been love at first sight, but it's been love ever since. That's a direct quote from her mom. Sally, Sally, I know that you feel really shitty about this stupid fucking degree from your dad, but I promise you'll love him in time. Meanwhile, Patch starts beating the actual shit out of Sally and literally abusing her. You'll love him in time. You'll love him in time. It's okay. I didn't can know that part, man. <laughs> However, I will say, direct quote from King Max, I'm grateful that disaster ended before you married that commoner. Remember what happened the last time you let your heart be the judge? As Sally runs out crying, all the while <laughs> Patch has been overhearing this conversation with a fucking smug-ass smirk on his face. I, okay, fucking Acorn. <laughs> right. Can, we, can he just die already? Bruh, that's not a good Bruh. thing to say on the deathbed, bro. Like, come on, read the room. I mean, but he's literally forcing his daughter into a marriage and then saying, yeah, you using your heart to decide was a wrong move. Fuck you. Ugh. Uh, meanwhile, Sonic is uh, playing the guitar with his mom. She's asking to play a song as Bunny comes over in tears. She got the news. Antoine and Sally are getting married this week. Shocking Sonic. He rushes to the castle, pissed off that this is how it ends between him and Sally but is interrupted by Patch saying, B -b dude, buddy, you got an appointment or something? Sonic's like, hey, shut up. Get, a get out of my way. I got to talk to Sally. But he draws his sword, slashes the two fight, and it ends with Patch kicking Sonic into the moat, sword pointing at his throat saying, look, listen, 
go away, dude. But next time I won't be so kind. And then Patch walks away into Sally's room telling her, hey, listen, like, truth be told, I don't want to marry you either. But I'm just doing it out of a sense of responsibility and duty. All right. That's that's all it is. And Sally just says like, oh, great. Just the fairy tale ending I wanted. But later, the king falls into a coma. Patch claims like, hey, I gave the king his meds. Wink, wink. But like, eh, I don't know what happened. Sally, after all, feeling for her father, she rushes out and says to Antoine, call for the bridesmaids. We've got a wedding to make. And upon getting the news, Sonic grabs a bag and rushes out to stop this wedding, thinking he'll either grab Sally and deal with the fallout or play it smart and see if the one person who can help is willing to. Would you imagine that this is a Sonic the Hedgehog comic, by the way? No, no. So we go to the next page. Uh, and, uh, Dr. Quack got that fat fucking drip, uh, while he walks Sally down the aisle. Uh, I would like to also point out that, uh, this is a marriage scene in a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. And also, Sally says that she's not be- not happy about it. Quote, it's not like I'm marrying an ogre, which I resent that. Shrek came out at this time. The message of that movie was beauty is on the inside. All right. I'm not going to have Shrek slander in front of me and I'm not going to fucking let it go. For real. You don't fuck with Shrek. Nuh-uh. Don't do that. Fuck you, Ken Penders. She thinks, like, well, Antoine does have a lot of positive aspects, so, uh, you know, uh, it's not that big a deal, I think. And, you know, when she accepts, when it comes time to do the vows, Sally, do you take Antoine as your husband? I do. That's the end of that story. All right. So, I mean, what, what, do, what, what do we even have to say? I feel like, again, we are reaching this point. And thank God it's almost over. Jesus fucking Christ, thank God it's almost over. Where there's so little for us to talk about in terms of substance. Okay, Sonic's not getting married. Patches. The girl of his dreams is, like, uh, getting married and it's not to him. Sag. I don't know, man. It speaks for itself, thankfully. I know. So, look. I'm going to do the story be real fast because it doesn't really have much to do with anything. Uh, Mike Gallagher wrote it, and Mawini does the art. The Freedom Fighters do a ceremony in honor of Dulcie. They ask her to light the fire with her fire breath, but she panics and just flies away and reveals that basically she was kicked out of Dragonkind. After her and her clan got roboticized, some of them were managed to escape and go into the old, like, legendary ancient dragon city of Vesuvio. They rebuild, they make their home, but the one catch, no dragon is allowed to leave. No contact with the outside world. We got to stay safe. Dulcie obviously refuses and she, you know, sneaks out a little bit and she has fun with the Freedom Fighters, helping them with their cause. But eventually she gets discovered and uh, the Dragon Elder says, all right, so since you've broken the literal one rule we have, uh, we're going to remove your nose ring, put a cursed ring inside you that blocks your dragon breath and also you're exiled. Fuck you. Fuck you. But... Uh, She musters the courage to go back and ask for a dragon pardon. But upon return, she gets ambushed by the roboticized dragon. So I guess the story takes place like before the the Zorda attack and the Robians and all that shit. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's my assumption. Yeah, this is definitely an old story that I guess the editors found is like, ah, shit, we haven't used this yet. Let's just shove it into a comic. Whatever. Yeah, pretty much. It feels like you could place it in the middle of like... Uh, Brave New World yeah. would feel right on cue. Uh, but 
It just feels very out of place in that regard now because yeah. of, of how far the story has progressed. And so, like, the roboticized dragons followed her there. Eggman was spying on her, hoping that she'd leave him to Vesuvio. And that's what happened. That's the end of 155. 156! Uh, Pender's Row, Fry does the art. So, now Sally and Antoine are married. About to be coronated now. As well, you know, that's the patch as well. While Sonic asks someone in the shadows, you know, to help him with the situation. But they refuse, saying Sally has the right to rule. And... They interfere now wouldn't be right anyway. Which, you know, like, if Sonic, like, were to just go right there and just do the whole, like, I objected the ceremony, that probably would have worked. And so Sonic's rushing out, leaving, saying, Ugh, I don't know why Knuckles thinks he's such a stand-up guy when all I see is a big wook. So he was talking to Locke, and also he's right about Locke's character. <laughs> it feels like a Locke moment. <laughs> uh... Uh, Sonic rushes by wedding guests, uh, and they are like, oh, everyone's at the reception hall now, as he rushes, calling out to Sally inside, but the guards are on standby, just in case this would happen, they, Antoine, Antoine thought it would happen, Sonic fights his way through and encounters Patch, and Sonic screams out to her, saying, Sally, after all we've been through, how can this end like this, and so I was just like, Sonic, I'm sorry, but I have to support my husband, Sonic's arrested, and Patch leaves, intending to give the king his final dose as someone hooded on horseback. I don't know why that... I thought that would be a Mobian, but, like, I feel like this is very strange. Whatever, I don't... The, the guy hooded shows up and demands, let me into the castle. And they're like, no, no visitors until he reveals himself. It's like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, quote, when does a commander outrank a member of the royal family? And Sonic is let out of his cage by order of Elias. Yeah, so Elias is just back. He's back. How long has it been? <sighs> Definitely sub issue 100. Or no, no, that can't. That's too far. Uh, 120. It's been a while. It's been a dummy thick yeah, it's minute. Been, it's been a minute since we've seen Elias. Mm -hmm. Um, it's funny that Elias gets brought back into the story now because. Well, now he's going to get the benefit of good writing very soon. Oh, uh, yes. And so, uh, and Sonic is just like, whoa, Elias, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Elias is like, look, listen, like, these are strange times, as per my wife, Meg. And look, I don't know what the hell is going on. I heard the news. Sally's getting married to Antoine. I, this just seems very weird to me. I don't know what's going on. So to protect the situation, to protect everyone at hand, I'm going to invoke my right as firstborn and be the king. And that's exactly what he does. He goes into King Acorn's eggs room right as Patch is about to give that dose. And uh, he's like, oh, Elias, hello. What are you doing here? But he's a little pissed now that he kind of lost his chance and goes back to Sally and Alicia. So the three come down and Elias declares, I am invoking my right as firstborn male to take the crown for myself. And uh, Alicia is just like, well, Elias, like, you know, your stepchild isn't going to be able to inherit the throne. Only royal blood can be can sit on the throne, you know, but, you know, he could just have another kid. That's also an option. But, you know, I guess that doesn't. <laughs> but he's just like, nah, whatever. I don't care. Make me king. Put that crown on my head. Let's go, mama. Patch intends to, quote, disregard Elias in plain sight. He's about to shake Elias's hand to congratulate him being the new king. And Sonic sees the needle to tackle Elias down. 
And Sonic fights Patch, revealing the needle and also exposing him as anti-Antoine, noting, listen, Antoine's never been this good of a fighter. You lacked killer instincts. And plus, not even Bunny could explain where you got that scar. So Sonic pulls out Anti-Rotor's portal generator and then uses it to get Antoine from Anti-Mobius, swap the boys back, and now, finally, our boy Antoine gets to go home. He's free. He's free! No more cringe incel Antoine! Now we have funny, haha, cowardly <laughs> Frenchman Antoine! Yeah, boys. First act as king, Elias annuls Sally's marriage, and Antoine gets to go back to Bunny, and she takes him, you know, full in arms. They're all happy. There's one person who's not happy. Tails. Sonic walks away hand in hand with Fiona, still to his dismay. How could this happen to me? I made my mistakes. Got nowhere to run. The night goes on. Sorry, I can't. All right, so that's the end of that story. Story B. Uh, Mike Gallagher and Winnie, it's the same as the last story. It continues. Dulcie does her best to fight off these Robian dragons. She helps to save a kid, and that kid tries to vouch for her to the elder, but the elder's just like, nope, she is a banished. She's not supposed to be here. So they chain her to a rock via her nose ring. But uh, there's one scene where, like, they're fighting the dragons, the uh, Robian dragons. One falls right on top of her, breaks the chain, and also breaks her nose ring. So she's like, ah, yes. My, my fire powers are free now. So she fights back. She clearly is on their side. And the Dragon Elder is like kind of impressed with her fighting skills. And more dragons join in. They all like melt the Dragon Robians. Or yeah, the Dragon Robians. And at the end of it all, like Dulcie is like, uh, uh, I, I feel upset because her mom was amongst one of the Robian dragons. But the Elder just says, listen, Dulcie. Uh, dragon souls are in a cycle of reincarnation. So in a future generation, your mother and the rest of these brave dragons will be back one day. To reward her for her efforts, she's given her nose ring back. She's fully pardoned and made a dragon ambassador. Free to go about as she wishes to the outside world. That's down to 156. Uh, I, I don't... I, that's fine. Um, all right. 157. Oh, God, we're so close. Shadow is here. He's right on the cover. And actually, fun fact, this was the first Sonic comic I bought when I was a kid. I think this is the first comic I bought, period. Wow, really? Yeah, and actually, actually, uh, I did a little digging around in my closet. I found it. Do you have it? Can you show up? <gasps> He's showing it, boys. Uh, He's showing it. You might not want to see this because, look, uh, it's kind of rough. But it's there! It's right here! It's, I found it's your it. childhood! Yeah, it's my childhood, and it's kind of fucked up because, like, the back is gone. And like, th this was an ad for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Wasteland, man. There was good content here, but, like, the comic itself is still intact. Uh, it's kind of... the It fell off its binding, so I had to fucking staple it back together, dude. It's rough. That's rough. I I read um I use uh a certain comic site in order to read this and I get all the old adverts uh that are in these comics. Yeah, so, so what what's in what are the adverts in here? Hold on, I wanna see. Let's have a time capsule. Oh hubba bubba bubblegum? Okay. Yeah, that's a classic. classic. The Neo the Neopets video game. Yeah, I'm seeing that right here. Neopets Darkest Fairy, excellent. Uh, uh we ooh, got tape. Hell yeah. Bionicles! 
Yeah, we got some Bionicles. We got some Bionicles. We got uh, we got some uh, Campbell soup. Excellent. Campbell soup. Uh, uh, we got some Duel Masters. Mm, okay. What else we got here? Hi, hi, Puffy Amayumi. Fuck, you remember that? I remember that. I I loved me some Puffy Amayumi. Ooh. Oh, an advert, a self-insert advert for the Sonic X comics. Note on that for later, guys. Yeah. Uh, anything else? More Sonic X uh, comics? Mario Tennis Power Tour. Oh, that uh, mine doesn't have that. Yeah. Mm. And then a uh, Tony Hawk's American Skateland. All right. Cool. I just wanted to say that, like, as of today, seeing how this comic is in its condition now... I have a uh, bag and board. That's what it's called. I bag and board all of my comics. Seeing this shit now looks like gore, dude. I I want to go back in time and smack young me over the head. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we open. Uh, Shadow makes his way onto the ruined prison island, saying that he just he feels connected for some reason and finds a recording of Professor Gerald playing, being downloaded by Metal Sonic, saying Shadow's purpose is one of revenge. And he's shocked to learn that. But gets punched in the head by Metal Sonic. Knocked back, Shadow engages the two tussle. Metal breaks a pipe that was flowing ni- liquid nitrogen to blast its shadow. Also finding that like the metal of the pipe also seems to double as a power line, Shadow turns it on and fries Metal, shortly incapacitating him, but then finds the arm blaster that Shadow th- was thrown into and-, and discarded. He's about to shoot Shadow, but throws a rock into the barrel, causing it to explode, taking out both Metal and Shadow. And M arrives, surprised to see, oh, this is a hedgehog, but it's not Sonic. Whatever. And brings them both back to Eggman. So, <sighs> the B story. Ken Penders wrote, obviously. Ron Lib also did the art. Uh, Eggman wakes up from a system alarm and asks Adam to shut it off. He can't find any kind of origin or, like, reason for the alarm. It's whatever. We see shift to Sonic. He's playing the guitar. He's singing softly. And his mom is basically just saying to, to his dad, is like, yeah, Sonic's been fucking sleeping around. Like, I, he's fucking with this girl, Fiona. I don't like that fucking bitch. But just, and Jules just says, like, listen, honey, Sonic's just a lost soul right now. Ultimately, he will come back to Sally. Just give it time. We can't interfere. Let it play out. But in the lab, Eggman and Adam can't figure out what tripped the alarm. Could have been the Acorn King, or even Sally, or fuck even Knuckles. But all data is insufficient, and takes a, quote, bold preventative action. Which is flying an egg capsule into Knothole, reveals... (laughs) (laughs) My man said, I gotta make sure I'm snooping as usual, I see. And he's like, I'm getting in the Eggmobile walks down full view of the residents of Knothole, and they're all like panicked like what the fuck is this guy doing here tails wants to find him but rotor is like hold tails i know his deal i know i know he's a bad guy but like he hasn't done anything wrong right now so until he does we have to treat him like an honored guest that's how we do things it's such polite polite society tails sonic saw uh eggman's ship flying in and wants to intervene but is forcefully given breakfast by his mom Quickly scarfs it down, and Eggman knocks on Sonic's door. He goes in for the attack, but apparently Eggman just fucking knows judo and throws him around a bit. And after Sonic hitting Eggman's shoulder, breaks his 3D hologram. Sonic phases through, and Eggman's just like, Alright, you found me out. Like, I'm not gonna fucking actually go there. Are you insane? 
Like, so here's the deal. Sonic, I need your help. There's some threat going after me. I have no clue what this is. But you've been a pain in my ass for years. So why don't you just be a pain in someone else's ass for once? Uh, and so this results in Eggman bringing Sonic and Rotor to his base via his pod. And shows them the system shutdown message. He also says, uh, our dear Rotor. I bring it up. Our dear Rotor, Sonic asking if, uh, what, does Eggman know something that you don't? And Rotor says, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. We'll get into that in the next episode because that's like, that has to do with some what I like to call Ken Pender's bullshit, okay? Yeah, when the cleanup crew comes in, they're going to have to do a lot of cleanup. Oh, you have no, no idea. So anyway, the three here marching. Sonic thinks it was a trap, but Eggman insists that like, he doesn't know what's going on. And out comes M. Left for dead, you know, they thought in the sewers way back when, yada, yada, yada. But clawed her way out, her revenge. Even yeeting Rotor out of her way in the process. <laughs> literally just, woo, goodbye. Uh, Sonic tries to lasso her, but she throws him off, knocking him, in, knocking him into Rotor both out cold. And M says, it is now time for Eggman to, quote, pay for his crimes to the kingdom of Acorn. Shocked at the betrayal, Eggman thought, like, hey, what the fuck? I I thought he had 12 more hours. But M says, no, it was on a 12-hour delay, and her, quote, master is now in control. As Eggman and an out-and-cold Sonic and Rotor are surrounded by Metal Sonic troopers... Designed like Neo Metal Sonic. It's pretty cool. This guy kind of... It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I have in my notes... Metalix question mark. I think the reason I wrote that was because... Uh, I read before and I don't... I don't. I can't verify this so that, don't take this as fact. But I wrote... I remember reading before that these were called the Metalix... In reference to Sonic the comic... It would it would it would make sense considering that there is occasional crossover from time to time. Yeah, but again, that's going to be something to talk about in the future. Don't you worry, guys. Yeah, yeah. But that's the end of one fifty-seven. That's the end. Uh, da, 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 da. That's the end of this comic right here. Yeah, shot of the head. Oh, wait a minute, he's doing the, the pose from the game. I know. Yeah, I just noticed that. It's from it's from 06, right? Uh, no, it's from Shadow of the Hedgehog, isn't it? Oh, okay, never mind. I'm yeah. just silly. Alright. Alright. 158. This and one more. Oh my god. We're almost free. Can you fucking believe that? No, I can't. Penders wrote, Lim did the art, as is the norm. So Eggman, he's dodging these metal Sonics left, right, and center, and begins to think it was Snively who returned coattail and is behind all this. As he pulls out an inverter and reprograms M on the fly, who realized she was reprogrammed, and her last memory was being with Shadow and Metal Sonic. However, the Neo Metal Sonics operate on a different frequency, so no reprogramming there, and they just turn tail. Sonic and Rotor wake up, surrounded by the Neo Metals, one of which faces Sonic and is about to attack, but when another one stops it, it says, Hey, you better stop that. You are addressing Model 1. So, that's a little weird, but they let Sonic and Rotor leave via the pod. as They're, they're just like, nah, you're cool, fuck it, we out. We fucking out of here. So they continue the search for Eggman and M with, quote, extreme prejudice as per royal decree. 
as Sonic and Rota try to think who could have made them. So Eggman and M are elsewhere. They're assessing files. And Shadow is with them, awake, about to fight M as Eggman's just like, Hey, 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 there's no way to treat family, huh? <laughs> Eggman about to have a Dominic Toretto moment. Kind of weird. As Eggman tells Shadow, Hey, listen, Professor Gerald is my grandfather. Maria, my half-sister. So, you know, why don't we work together and, you know, quote, find closure together. Let's work together. The Shadow's like, all right, that makes sense, I guess. Uh, Where do we start? Meanwhile, King Elias goes to a closed-off part of the castle, finding Chuck, and he's panicking that he lost a secret project and it may be on the loose. As Sonic and Rotor go down there following Elias and finding, you know, the two of them. Chuck explains the situation. Sonic... When you got yeeted into space and we all thought you were dead, right? Rotor and I, we built a security measure in the likeness of you. For the sake of kingdom security, we called them the Metal Sonic Troopers. But when you came back, uh, we thought that it was unnecessary and we just abandoned it. But somehow someone found them and now they're activated and on the loose. However, I did build countermeasures just in case something were to happen, you know camera tracking via their eye of cameras and also a kill switch it's not working though uh and the group of metal sonic troopers is closing into knot hole shadow and eggman are both seeing the same thing recognizing the image as hope's house and rushes there to save her both shadow and sonic close in on hope's house and as shadow gets into metal's path he somehow activates a force field breaking their path by the way, I, 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 I'm still, like, not there 100%, so I need to, like, say that back again. Shadow somehow activated a force field by just crossing his arms Wakanda style and just, like, interrupted the path of a metal sonic <laughs> Wakanda trooper. forever! And, and just, like, just, like <laughs> breaks the path of a metal sonic and breaks it, and Shadow's just like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> and so he's not oh. able to do it again, but he does find hope. As Sonic deals with the rogue metals, and there's also a scene where, like, Sonic's parents are talking about, oh, man, Sonic really grew up. Like, is it really such a good idea for us to be letting him go fight Eggman like this? Joe's just like, ah, well, I mean, like, he knows how to deal with him. Like, hey, he's his own person. He's his own, you know, he's grown up. What can we do? Jules finds uh, an, an alarm. The alarm in Knothole is blaring. And he finds a Metal Sonic, like, blaring down, about to hit some kids. So he swoops in and saves them. Citizens are now being led into the palace for safe harbor. And Elias instructs Sally, if anything bad happens, lead the people into the Southlands, should not hold fall. And Sonic finishes off the Metal Sonic that's at Hope's house. But when it breaks, its leg hits Hope over the head, knocking her out, activating Shadow's PTSD, Quote, if the girl dies, Sonic, so do you. Shadow really having that PTSD gamer moment where he's just like, yo, dog, she dies and you're fucking, di- you're, you're next, bitch. And uh, that's the end of that story. And the story B in this issue is just like an off-panel-esque story. That's like, I don't, I don't really know why we keep seeing these things. Like there's, the actual content is something about showing like bloopers I don't really remember much of it but I don't really care it's not canon so why don't we just move on to the final issue huh oh my god after a hundred and 
Oh my god, I think it might be well over 130 issues. Mm-hmm. It's a little over that. This is it. We are at the end of the tunnel. This is the last issue that Ken Penders worked for Archie Comics. This is the last time Ken Penders headed the story. And this is the end of this comic being a train wreck. <laughs> I, 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 I mean that. I genuinely mean that. I, I know. I know you mean that. That's why it's funny. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's get it started. <clears throat> Sonic the Hedgehog, number 159. Ken Penders obviously wrote. It's also <laughs> funny because the comic is called System Reboot. Psst, I didn't even think of that. Yep. Hmm. So, uh, and Ron lived the art. So, let's begin. Sonic and Shadow fight over what happened with Hope. Physically, might I add. Like, they're throwing punches. And also, Shadow's trying to ask, like, why these robots look like Sonic in the first place. However, Rosie demands they stop. They've been fighting while this little girl has been lying uninjured, injured and untreated. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? As Sonic and Shadow just stop and just run to the doctor with her. After Chuck and Rotor see the designs for the Metal Sonic Troopers, th they come to find out they've been composed by nanites. And there's also a scene where Chuck kind of kips himself for doing this, and Rotor comforts him saying, hey, look, listen, this wasn't your idea in the first place. Like, you know, what's done is done. Let's see what we can do to defend against them, however. And Eggman is watching the scene play out with some troopers. They're leveling his own base and not not whole. Like, that's kind of a... Hmm, I don't like that. Sonic and Shadow then run past the Chaotix, fighting the troopers, as Shadow doesn't know what he's doing, but he manages to create a portal to rush him and Sonic directly into Castle Acorn, as Knuckles sees what Shadow did, and recognizes it as Chaos Control. So, why the fuck- Okay, listen, I know they're gonna explain that it's the Chaos Force, but like- There's gonna be a reason as to why this is even said in the first place, but finish your thought. Yeah, like, it's still fucking stupid. I'm sorry. Listen. The golden rule. Chaos powers, they come from the chaos energy. Of they course. come from the emeralds. Right. This chaos force shit is so dumb. Like, it worked in return. You want to know something? It worked in return to Angel Island. And it worked for Knuckles' shit because he was literally a guardian of the Master Emerald. He was always around it, so fine. Not Shadow. Fuck you. I get what they were going for, but we'll get to that. Now, at Castle Acorn, Elias, Bunny, and Antoine, they all see the troopers wrecking havoc. As Sonic and Shadow warp to their spot and just demands Elias get Dr. Quack ASAP. Medics come in to get Hope, and he goes to care for her. But Sonic tries to get answers about the troopers from Elias, who's like, Hey, whoa, 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 hey, hey, I didn't approve of this. I don't know what any of this is. Like, leave me alone, man. Jesus Christ. I've only been king for a day. Uh, Sonic just runs to deal with them. As he f now he's fighting the Metal Horde. They're fighting back. And for somehow, they see him as a threat to the kingdom's existence. They've been compromised, Sonic says. It's not possible. They say Sonic creates a tornado to hopefully scramble their circuits, but it doesn't really work, and he's overwhelmed. Shadow gets into the fight. The next panel, we see him raising his hand, like, outwardly stretched. And then the next page, the next panel, we see... The Metal Sonic Troopers and Sonic knocked out. What happened here? I don't know. Who's to say? He doesn't know what he did. Knuckles comes in, tells Shadows, look, listen, 
Well, you did back there. You just induced chaos control, buddy. And Shadow says, what do you mean? Like, that's not... I need a chaos emerald to do that. What are you talking about? And Uncle says, well, not if you're drawing directly from the chaos force, which is something that only us guardians can do, buddy. And even then, just barely. Like, you're juiced up, basically. And Shadow's answer to that shit is like, oh, but I am the ultimate life form. So, you know. (laughs) (sighs) Set me free. I don't care anymore. So Sonic wakes up. Uh, Shadow just says, "Eh, are you finished resting, buddy? Sonic's just like, "Eh, shut up, faker. Like, what do you want? So Knuckles and the Chaotix, they just go to handle off whatever residuals are left over. Sonic goes elsewhere, and Sonic goes back inside the castle gates. He's a hero. They're like, yay, Sonic, our buddy, our our dude, our guy. Hell yeah, dude. And Elias gives him a medal of honor for his outstanding service to the kingdom. Which, in all like, to be honest, like, that's a little overdue, but, you know. Yeah, Whatever. A little overdue, but hey. He is also assigned rank of gentleman at arms. Something that Elias will talk about later. But for now, let's celebrate. Good job, Sonic. You're our guy. As Sonic's parents look on at him, they're aware of Sonic's new title and what it comes with, but it's like, eh, let's let them have fun right now. And elsewhere, Shadow is just by a stream, you know, okay, taking a rest. As Sonic comes behind him and says, hey, Faker, don't be a stranger. And Shadow just, just, he smiles back. And, you know, they continue on their separate ways. And Chuck sees Shadow on his monitor saying, Ah, well, Shadow, you've got your secrets. we got ours. It's best it stays that way. As the computer turns off and the story ends right there. But that's not the end of the comic. we got one more. We've got one more secondary story. Both writing and art done by Ken Penders. We're eating today. We're sending him off on the best note possible. Jesus Christ. Okay, just... Let's let's get it out of the way. Go. So Eggman's still upset about Snively's betrayal. The the nanites are still out of control. Uh, but they do. He and Adam both find out the nanites are able to communicate over long distances, and they learn Tommy's shell bonded with the nanites, and they're able to see and hear from Tommy. He's going to Chuck and Jules, and upon interaction, the nanites enter Jules' robotic body, and at the same time, they see Bunny. Who, because of her robotic parts, after she touches the same ID scanner that Tommy touched, the nanites enter her her, her robotic system. And over time, all the Freedom Fighters uh, register themselves with that ID scanner. Sonic and Sally included. Nanites now jumping into Nicole. And now that Eggman can see and hear everything that they do, he, Eggman, can strike when the time is right. Let me tell you. Uh, before we talk about, you know, the, 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 oh my god, we're done. Um, that's actually a very, very, very important note, uh, that Eggman now has full fucking access to Freedom Fighter comms, because it's going to become very relevant. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind moving forward. It is going to be very relevant, and you know what? Let's, now we can we're say done. it. We can we're say free. it now. We're free. That was the end of Sonic the Hedgehog number 159. That's the end of the comics we've got for this episode. But most importantly, that's the end of Ken Penders' run in Archie Comics' Sonic the Hedgehog. I would like to quote a comment from this site that I read the comics on. There is actually extensive comic sessions for a lot of comics. 
This is it. This last story, where Robotnik blathers to himself for six pages while watching people on monitors, standing around and looking off-model, is the last thing Ken Penders wrote for the comics. It is, in many ways, peak Penders. The whole runtime is dedicated to explaining, in plotting detail, how grave the stakes will be in some hypothetical, hypothetical upcoming future story. All it's missing is unpleasantly sexy echidnas and Locke being right. <laughs> and you know what? That's that's like all Ken Penders boiled down into a nutshell at the end of the day. I I will save my full thoughts um, on Ken Penders uh, because we have... We, we've something. got plans. We'll, we'll tell we you about them in plans. a minute. We have plans. We have plans. But before we do, I have something I want to say. Yes. So it was revealed a while ago that... Technically, technically, 159 was actually Ian Flynn's first run on the comics. They asked him to basically revise Ken Penders' script oh, for 159. Really and that's that, really funny. So there so basically the end bit was where he really did his work. I suspect that it was the Chaos Control, uh Sonic calling Shadow Faker. That was all Ian Flynn, baby. 100%. Yes, agreed. Agreed. 100%. So, yeah. Uncredited. He he rewrote that. And, and yeah. So. We we have a lot to speak about um, next episode and about the trajectory of this comic. Listen. I know that some of these episodes have been really painful for both me and my boy Speed and for you, uh, dear listener. There's been a lot of bitching. There's been a lot of complaining. There has been a lot of laughing. But it all stops here. Mm -hmm. The comic, I want you guys to really, really know, it goes from god-awful to incredible. Dare I even say Kino? Kino. There are things that we are going to be discussing as the issues move on. Um, we're, I, I want to take a lot of time... To really dedicate uh, how well and how good the story gets. There are still going to be some mistakes. And there are still going to be some things that, you know, we'll laugh at. And we'll have some jabs at. But those are more remnants from the Ken Penders era that Ian Flynn is trying to wrap up. Of course, of course. And this is something that, like, I'm so... Like, I'm happy. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think I'd make it this far. No, I, I, I honestly, I did not think I would, I thought I would do one or two episodes and be like, oh god, this is so bad, I can't. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, because you know what? We're making content, we're laughing. And look, listen, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would have tapped out, like, sub-issue 100, maybe even sub-50. Nah, I probably would have tapped out after, uh, sometime after 50, because look... These comics are horrendous. I, I would have probably like skipped to Ian Flynn just because I couldn't take it anymore. But the fact remains, I, I know uh, Aaron has only been here for like a, a decent amount. Hasn't not necessarily read all of them, but he has read all of them in the background. We can say, basically, we've read all of Ken Penders' work on the comics now. I think we're like one of few individuals who can say that today. Yeah, a lot of people dunk on Penders for, you know, the iconic panels and the iconic scenes and the moments. But, like, to really understand his work and why he is so reviled, very, very important that you, like, really go through it all. Because, Jesus Christ, man. 
it is it is abhorrent. So, but it's right. necessary to understand why the comics become as loved as they do uh, moving forward. Because even though Ken Penders is, you know, his actual stories are rocky, the foundation's actually kind of solid. And Ian Flynn, the next writer, will take this foundation and truly build upon it. I, yes. He takes, there are, like we said, there are some Kenders storylines and plot lines that are unfortunately incredibly hard to be resolved in a way that is not laughable. Mm -hmm. Ian Flynn tries his best. And honestly, not everything he does initially hits. But good lord, the quality comparison between this, this issue, and what comes next, literally next issue, second day. It's night and day. It's going to be so crazy watching the progression of the comic move forward. Because as God himself once said, as, uh, as I, I don't know who said it, uh, once you hit rock bottom, only go up. Yep, that's true. And that that's yeah. true. So I, I think that's a good note to end off on this episode. However, before we like send ourselves off, I've got some announcements to make. We've got some announcements. So to begin, uh, Archie Sonic Digest, we're going to be taking like a little short break. we j- we got to recover, guys. Have you seen the shit that we went through? I need a break. But uh, we'll be back not too long, so don't you worry. The next episode that we do will be a- an extra length episode. We are going to be talking about the Ken Penders era as a whole of the comics. We're going to talk about not just Ken Penders... But also, you know, Carl Bowlers, uh, even Mike Gallagher. We're going to talk about what brought us to this point. Because I think we really need that refresher before we head into, like, the next next era of these comics, basically. Yeah, it is a completely different era. Um, I don't know how substantial the staff shakeups were at Archie during this time. But it really does feel like the entire staff was just sweeped out, except for the people that really cared. And you got, they got brand new writers, they got brand new artists, and I gotta tell you, man, the quality just... Night and day. Night and night day. day, man. It's wonderful. Makes me, makes me, makes me really excited. But we have one final dissection of Ken Penders left. That is next episode. That, that is true. One final dissection, and we're gonna be talking about, like, you know, stuff like unused concepts, ideas that they wanted to do moving forward. It's gonna be a good episode. I feel like we're going to have to do a lot of research for it. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. And speaking of which, one final thing before we go. I We're going to be announcing uh, a side series, I'd like yes. to think, called the Archie Sonic Digest, Another Side, Another Story. This is going to be focusing on sort of like the comics in the realm of Archie Sonic, which are not like necessary to the plot per se. But they're still part of it. So we're going to be talking about like the Sonic X comics. And in the future, the Mega Man comics. Because... Oh! Oh! <laughs> uh, as astute Sonic historians will know, there was a... A... Kino. Two Kino crossovers between Archie Sonic and Archie's Mega Man. So that's going to be part of the show. It's going to be Patreon exclusive. 
However, we will be releasing the first uh, episode of that show for free so you listeners can get a taste of it. So you can understand what we're going to be working with, what exactly we're going to be doing. However, moving forward from the first episode, $2 a month on Patreon.com slash SonicSpeed. You'll get those when they're ready. We'll, we'll do at least one a month. That's the goal I'm going for here. Aaron will be the full-time co-host for that. So I, I, will, I will tell you... Um, I was, I will tell you very openly, the Sonic X comics, varying quality, but they're side comics, so I can mostly forgive them. Yeah. I don't think you guys are ready to hear my thoughts on, on, on Mega Man, because, uh, you know, I love Sonic, but the other franchise that I can't get enough of is Mega Man, and Jesus fucking Christ, those Mega Man comics are yeah, some of the best work the series has ever produced. Abs, I cannot agree with you more. Hell, when Archie got the license for uh, Mega Man, uh, and obviously this was being produced at the same time as a uh, the Sonic comics, Ian Flynn also wrote for them. He he admitted that. Oh yeah, when we got the license, the first thing I did was draft a crossover. It's something special. <laughs> There's a lot of love in the Mega Man comics and Sonic X comics. Not so much, but they're nice. They're there. No, they're, they're not. They're, they're not yeah. bad. They're not offensive. Yeah, so, that's the thing. The Sonic X comics clearly have like guidelines and guardrails, which they really can't that break that free of. They feel more like self-contained episodes of the earlier parts of Sonic X. Um, Speed, actually, you know, we'll probably talk more about this when we cover the comics themselves, but. How, how do you how, how do you feel about Sonic X as a whole, my friend? I think it had a lot more potential than it like ended up getting at the end of the day. Because I have you ever seen? I, I imagine you have, but if you've ever seen like that pilot animatic that was made at like Tokyo Game Show, like what two thousand two, two thousand three, or something, it was it clearly was meant to be kind of more like sat am almost like it was supposed to be just about like sonic and his friends fighting against the threat of eggman on mobius or sonic's world whatever you want to call it because there were other mobians just kind of like living in the city like doing their thing and then obviously at the end we see like you know nazo that we know him as and that was actually to takeshi izuka the producer of the sonic series as a whole said that was meant to be an uh, that was an unused form of supersonic. So I don't know what they would have done with that. Dark dark edge lord supersonic. I don't know what they would have done with that, but like the point is there's a lot of promise that Sonic X could have had and I don't hate what it became. Like yeah, everyone memes on like Chris Thorndike and all the human characters, but I mean of all things considered as a Sonic show like it's not the worst out there, I don't think. Uh, I think my stance on it is Sonic X is not necessarily a bad show, but I feel like the problem with it is that it squanders its entire potential because the entire series is warped around Chris. Right. And I understand why they did that, because it's a it's a self-insert kind of anime, right? Yeah. You want to be Chris Thorndike. You want to be Sonic's best friend with all of his pals and help him go on mad adventures. But the problem is that... It's not... Chris is not an interesting character. He's really boring. And I, I think that it squanders all the potential. Like, 
the back end of Sonic X is alright, and I think the stuff they do with Tails and Cosmo is it's it's compelling in a way. You're referring but, to the the third season, of course, the yes. Metarex saga. Yes, the Metarex saga, which has some which is definitely the most Sonic esque out of all of them. But even then, it's still a series that has a lot of really deep seated problems because of the way that it's structured. Even when they're doing the game adaptations, like, for example, the Sonic Adventure 1 and Sonic Adventure 2 adaptations, they have to take a lot of fucking goddamn turns, and they have to accommodate for that in the worst way possible. All I'll say is, though, Shadow kicking the shit out of Chris Thorndike is really fucking funny. Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? Kind of cathartic in some ways, but, like, yeah, whatever. All I'm saying is that, like, Chris Thorndike is bullshit. I should have been Sonic's best friend. This is fucking bullshit, man. Yeah, bro. I mean, I never watched Sonic X growing up. I did. Like, I, I would wake up early to watch that shit on 4Kids, bro. You don't understand. I would I would have been obsessed. I just I couldn't will myself to wake up that early. Okay, but all that aside... All um, that aside, that's... That's it. That's it. That's the end of the Archie Arch- Sonic Digest episode. Uh, to get that episode, uh, whenever it's ready, yada yada, patreon.com slash sonicspeed, as low as $2 a month. Discount code alpha. Not only will you get that bonus episode series, you'll get all of the, the episodes early moving forward. You want to hear about Ian Flynn's first run when it's ready? That's where you go. You get the pre-show. We talked about Naruto in the pre-show for some reason. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to award you. You're going you're gonna to laugh really hard if you have to hear me bitch about Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, green screen behind me. That's $15 a month or the video version of the podcast. A lot of memes up here. A lot of dreams that are just, you know, that you're missing out on it. That's all I'm saying. You're missing out on some good content in the video version of the Archie Sonic Digest. And you know what? Uh... Sounds like I still have a little bit of a uh, drink left in here. So this one for you, Ken. For you. Hey, Ken, at me on Twitter, bitch. You can't. You can't sue us. You can't sue us. With We're within our legal rights, motherfucker. Your comics sucked. It always sucked. This is transformative in nature. See you next time, guys. Fuck you, Ken. Woo!